is Jared and the GM live today at Drake's in Cool Springs, 553 Cool Springs Boulevard, right by Floyd's house. Floyd, how are you today? Smashville Live will be here. Preds Insiders, I assume, will be here tonight as well. So Smashville Live tonight, Rocco Grimaldi, Dante Fabro will be right here at Drake's. Floyd, stop hitting the table, please. How are you today? Outstanding. Outside of now, now you're probably mad at me because you've been hitting the table for the last 25 minutes. No, I just uh, won't stop. It's driving me insane. (laughs) And that's the purpose. Oh, it's driving me insane. (laughs) By the way, out here at Drake's, we've got our little little Halloween bucket. So we got candy for all the people. We got the Skittles, the M&Ms, the Twix, the Snickers, the Starburst. We got it all out here. Right here, and I'm going to set the bucket right in front of Floyd because we know if the bucket sits in front of me uh, that I will be eating the candy, and we don't need me eating the candy. So Floyd has the bucket, so come on up here when you're on your way. Maybe you're coming for Preds Insiders tonight, Smashville Live, so on and so forth. Good win last night by the Predators. It felt like a Thursday night home game against Jacksonville uh, for the Titans where it's just free and easy for for an easy win. Good win for the Preds last night. But, Floyd, it's Wednesday, and Wednesday is usually... Approval poll day. But there is no more Marcus Mariota approval poll because there's no more Marcus Mariota. So with that, I'm introducing the Ryan Tannehill approval poll for week seven, which uh, one through six, not applicable. Ryan Tannehill, do you approve of Ryan Tannehill as the Titans quarterback? Floyd, I want you to guess before I read you the numbers on what the fans say. On Twitter, at Jared Stillman, by the way. Guess about the number? Yeah, the number of yes, the number of no, and the number of no opinion. Uh, It'll be uh, 65% yes, 25% no, 10%, who cares? You are really, really bad at this. You used to be good with Marcus. I have no clue. 80% of the fans say yes for Ryan Tannehill. That is higher than Marcus ever had this season in which he checked in at 74% after week one. Only 6% of the people say no on Ryan Tannehill, and 14% have no opinion. Now, I would be, I'm a little stunned. Like, I don't think Marcus has ever had single-digit no. Like, I think he's always been kind of double-digit no on some level or another. Uh, The single-digit no for Tannehill surprises me, but it doesn't surprise me that more people would be on the no-opinion train because... I believe that there's still a lot of football to watch Ryan Tannehill play this year. I mean, I think that you can't get too excited about one game against the bum Chargers defense where he had clean pocket after clean pocket to throw in and all of a sudden think he's going to save the Titans. That has to be the hope that he's going to be able to do that every game and that he's going to be able to save the Titans. But as you kept saying all year about him, when the fans would say, why not put Tannehill in and give him a chance? You kept saying he's got eight years of film out there. So here's Tannehill, and 80% say yes in spite of the eight years of the Miami film. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we've kind of been, I mean, I I haven't changed on Tannehill or these guys or what what we think about them at all. I mean, I I think you kind of have. I think it's it's still a matter of waiting to see. I mean, I've never been one of those quick reaction guys. You know, you watch half a game and, oh, he's the answer. We're on our way or we got no chance or whichever it may be. You mean the way the media is treating Sam Darnold over the last two weeks? Kind of the way you treat most of these guys. (laughs) But anyway, 
<laughs> I'd like to. Uh, I, I want a little evidence for me. I need a little. I need some background. Give me some data. And at the end of accumulation of all this data, I'll be able to tell you something. Until then, I think it's just a flip of a coin. You know, we're open. Everybody's open, just like we were open for Marcus. You know, didn't work out for Marcus. We got to hope it works out for Ryan. It's hard for me to take what you say seriously when you say you haven't changed your opinion. You spent two weeks on that Friday when I had my theory that you were over Mariota, that you were done with Mariota, and you said, no, I'm not done with Marcus. I'm not. I'm. And you're sitting there telling me that you think Joe Flacco's a better quarterback than Marcus, and I'm saying if you think Flacco... And who was right about that? Thank you. You know, one of us may actually know what's going on, and one of us may not know. Ian, was that not a perfect example (laughs) of me knowing exactly what was going on when I said that I could tell that day Floyd was done with Marcus? Can you imagine the the Flacco Flacco discussion? Yes, Marcus. That was the only time Ian has ever. That's because I was trying to get you to say that you didn't believe in Marcus, which you would not do that day. I wouldn't. And then they flipped off of Marcus. But and as soon as I, they flipped off of Marcus, no, you flipped you off of Marcus. You asked me which one I think is best, and what did I tell you? Flacco. For and one game. Best. For one game. That was it. And by telling me, one game. And by telling and me who, that you were picking Flacco, and you were told, saying you're done with Marcus. Well, yeah, but you were incredulous. I took, I took him. How can you do? How can you right. Marcus? Because how but can the, you? My how can you? That is That just goes to show you. You can see why I chose Flacco. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious now to most of us. Because I was right. But you weren't ready to go to Tannehill then. I would. I, who cares? We had nothing to do with Tannehill. So then you it flipped. Uh, Flacco. <laughs> so you, you flip. You flipping, flip-flopper. Flip-flop Floyd. I mean, I, you know, that's uh, I, I would say this. Floyd's record is 0-7 currently picking Titan games this season, although he did pick the Chargers in full hopes that the Titans were going to win on Sunday. And that's the way it's going to be for the rest of the year. Whatever that ends up with, I'm good. You're going to pick the other team every time? The other time? team, no matter what. So here is, uh, here's what the fans are saying on Twitter about Ryan Tannehill. Again, the poll is up 80% say yes. Anyone who forms an opinion on a quarterback after one game against a depleted and overall bad defense Knows no football. That comes from Philip. We get another one in here that says, I can understand not buying in yet, but whoever votes no here is straight up a Marcus Homer or a disgruntled Dolphin fan. After watching that other bum for four years, it felt like watching Mark, uh, Peyton Manning play football. And then Austin says, I'm going to wait till the next game or two to see if he's legit. I can't buy into just one game, though he played great. So it's weird listening to the fans because you have one fan say, hey, if you voted no, you're a hater. You got the one fan who says, uh, you know, you can't form an opinion after one game. You had another guy that said, after watching Marcus, it felt like watching Peyton Manning. And then you had the final guy say, he's going to wait a game or two. I mean, I think there's a chance that you could go a month and still not know whether or not Ryan Tannehill's good enough to be the starting quarterback long-term of the Titans. Sure. Absolutely. Well, you could go the rest of the year and not be satisfied. Now, I doubt that'll happen, but is it possible? Sure. How can you, how can you like, I feel like at some point they've got to figure out whether or not Ryan Tannehill's any good, and I think the fans have got to figure out whether or not they believe in this guy. I mean, I know it's only one game. 
But it does feel like after one game, it does feel like the team believes in Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. And for some reason, I think that that's a big deal. I don't. I mean, if you're a member of the team, whoever is that quarterback is who you believe in. I mean, when the backup comes in, you don't disbelieve in the backup. You got to support the backup the same way you support the starter. But have you, you not know? been a part I of believe, teams where they look at the quarterback and they just like, ah, oh, screw this? You know the way the Jags kind of folded on Bortles last year. But see, you can't. I mean, I never have. No, to answer your question. In your tenure, you've never seen a team, even though we saw Jacksonville last year, that defense totally packed it in on Blake Bortles. Never seen it. But, I mean, does it happen? I don't know. Could, but not anywhere I've been. Who's the worst quarterback you've ever had? <laughs> it's a long, distinguished list now. Well, sure, I mean, I mean, surely one, quarter, surely one quarterback one. you had was so bad. I mean, look, if Marcus went out there and had I, another Bronco I, I game, went through this Billy team was going to Tolliver, I went through Bucky Richardson. I went through Cody Carlson. I mean, I went through a whole slew of guys. Guys that you have never even heard of that, you know, came in, played for five weeks and got hurt. They were gone. Bring in the next one. Here we go. And you never had guys walking around the facility with their heads down thinking, well, we got Billy Joe Tolliver as our starting No, you can't do that. Just because you but, can't do it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Well, I mean, if it happens at home, I don't care what you do at home. As long as you better not happen in the locker room on the practice field. I mean, whatever... You know, whatever you're going to do at home, I can't control. I got a hard time believing that in 40 years of football, you never saw a team quit on its quarterback. Never saw a team quit on its quarterback. Never saw. And like I said, there have been some shaky teams. You know, I mean, you, shaky quarterbacks. By the way, Billy, shaky teams. Billy Joe Tolliver played against the Titans when he was with the Saints that first year of the Titans, and the Titans had a great comeback win. So we're off on Tannehill. Again, the Tannehill approval poll is up. Gotta get Floyd's energy up today. The Tannehill approval poll is up today on Twitter at Jared Stillman. Again, do you approve of Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback? Now 81% of the people say yes. And coming up next, Tannehill asked about kind of the long-term plan of the Titans. Is he in it? Plus, why Ryan Tannehill's agent said he picked the Titans. We'll discuss that next. 615-737-1025. Jared and the GM. CSPN 1025, the game. Do you look at this as an opportunity maybe going forward to be the guy that they've been looking for here at quarterback maybe this year and, and even beyond? Yeah, I don't know what their plan is. You know, my plan is to go beat the Tampa Bay Bucks, and that's what I'm trying to do this week is just focus on Tampa and, and you know, trying to win this game. How about that? Ryan Tannehill has no interest when kind of asked about, hey, you know, how bad do you, do you want to be the guy here to be the quarterback? I'm just worried about beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well said by the new Titans quarterback. Yes, sir. Now, what do you really think about what Tannehill wants? Well, I mean, what he what he wants and what he ends up with can be two different, totally different things. The only choice he has, the only choice he has, is that he goes out there every day and every week and works his butt off and tries to play as well as he can and win as many games as he can, starting with Tampa Bay. And that's the only way he can look at it and have a chance of success. So it's funny because I think back to when the Tannehill deal was made. And if you remember, the Tannehill deal was made 
during the SEC tournament. We were at Bridgestone Arena, and at about 1.45, the Titans traded for Ryan Tannehill. And then John Robinson had a press conference and said, hey, Marcus is the starter and Tannehill is the backup. But I believe Ryan Tannehill had one year left on his deal or two years left on his deal, and somehow it got converted to one year, $7 million, with the Dolphins paying five in the form of a signing bonus and the Titans only paying $2 million. And I remember Tannehill took something like a $10 million pay cut. Now, he was going to get released, so he probably wasn't going to get any money, but he took <laughs> a $10 Shrewd million dollar pay cut. <laughs> now, he still probably still would have gotten paid something, but again, took a $10 million pay cut. In fact, his $18 million dead cap charge is the second highest in the league this year to Antonio Brown's $21 million with the Steelers. And uh, I guess Tannehill's agent, Pat Dye, came out to NFL.com and was asked about the situation, and here's what he said, quote, we were proactively looking at situations around the league and what we thought represented the best opportunity to get on the field. It didn't matter if it was on planet Mars. He, talking about Tannehill, he wanted the opportunity to be a starter. So stop right there. Tannehill is so willing to be a starter that he looked at every spot he could go to in the league and was willing to take the backup job here for $10 million less than he was making in order to get on the field. Because he knew Mariota was going to get hurt or Mariota was going to stink. He probably felt like one or the other was completely inevitable. And apparently the spots quickly got taken up. Flacco goes to Denver. Washington trades for Keenum. The Jaguars sign Nick Foles. So Tannehill's trying to figure out where to go. Tannehill's agent says this. John Robinson seemed intrigued, Dye said. But he wasn't over the top. You could just tell he liked the player and how he would fit. I guess they talked and they talked and then Robinson talked to Greer, according to NFL.com. The talks moved quickly. The sides looked, the two sides looked at several backup quarterback deals in the past, which is how they came up on the deal. The contract ended up as a one-year $7 million deal with the Dolphins paying $5 million, uh, $5 million signing bonus and Tennessee covering the rest. Based on incentives, it can get up to $12 million plus. So Tannehill can actually get from $7 million to $12 million this year in incentives. We'll go over those in a second. But what does it say about Ryan Tannehill that if his agent is willing to say, hey, all we cared about was getting out on the football field. That's all we wanted was a place for Ryan to go where he could play. That Ryan took the backup job here and handled the backup job well, never causing a controversy, never saying anything. In fact, he was the guy during the preseason when all the quarterback controversy stuff came out. He was the guy who kept quashing it. He was the guy that kept telling the media, I'm here to be the backup. I don't know what you all are talking about, but I am the backup quarterback. And yet he chose Nashville because he felt like this may be his best chance to play. What do we think of that? Does that say he's a great teammate? Does that say that he's a competitive football player? Does that say that, is there any, anything in that that you walk away from and say, you know what? Maybe this guy does have it in him to a turn this team around and B, maybe be the quarterback of the Tennessee Titans in the future. I don't know if I can get there. I mean, I think what it says is he's a shrewd business guy, one. And I think, two, it says he's a good teammate because he did absolutely nothing to push the guy out or be negative or create, you know, ripples in the water or do any of that, which I think is, you know, there were probably times where he would look at those games and come in and think, golly. 
how can I not be playing? How am I not better than this? You know, and and yet not saying anything about it, doing anything about it. Now, when he got home, he may be, you know, screaming at his wife. I don't know anything about that, but um, I mean, I think it was a calculated risk, and it's not, it looks to me like they, you know, it was a pretty shrewd move. I don't know how. I don't know what the other places were, what the other options they had, but but. You know, they bet on themselves, and they bet on the fact that something would happen to Marcus. Turned out to be a good bet both both ways. I just feel like the thing that I walk away from this is is that Ryan Tannehill's smart. I mean, he looked smart on the field on Sunday. He's smart when it comes to deciding where he wanted to go. He's smart in how he handled it. Because I'll say this, if he had caused any sort of a problem, he would have been out of here and maybe never gotten another chance again in the league if he had not handled himself correctly as far as if he walked in and after the first preseason game was saying, hey, you know, I'm here to compete every day and I think I can be the starting quarterback of the Titans. Even something that's not a direct shot at Marcus, that's not a, um, you know, he's not coming out and saying Marcus stinks, but if he had insinuated that there was a chance for him to be the starting quarterback, that would have blown up in the middle of August and that would have been a big deal. But he never even hinted at that, which tells me that he's smart. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't expect him to do that. I wouldn't have been surprised, however, you know, if he didn't find somebody in the locker room to confide with and to, you know, but it sounds like he didn't do that. This locker room is so tight. You know, he probably sensed the fact that, hey, you know, you don't want to be doing that now. You know, you just go, we got to bide our time and hopefully things will, you know, some way, somehow we'll get a shot. And and he waited it out and it turned out okay for him. You know, so, I mean, from his standpoint, it's like I said the other day or whenever. To get a 10-game audition in the NFL is, never happens. You know, you get a two, three, four game, maybe something somewhere along the line. Um, and and if it gets longer than that, if you end up with a giant, you know, a season long, it's going to be on a rotten team, and you're going to go out there and get your brains kicked in anyway. Yeah, like Teddy Bridgewater's probably got the best audition, and his is going to be about six. Games. Yeah, and his, you know, and Breeze practiced today, so you know he's soon he'll be back. Um, but to get a ten week audition, if in fact you can continue to you know produce and excel and do the things you're supposed to do. I mean, he could easily end up with this with a legitimate NFL starting job someplace. Maybe here. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's it, it, it was a calculated risk on his part. And, and like I said, I think, you know, it looks like right now, after one week, that it's going to work out. Now, next week, it could all blow up. We know that. Um, so it's hard to get you know, over the top on any of this. But those throws that he made were so sharp and so crisp and so I'm like thinking about Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's if you compare the defensive lines, it's not even close. Tampa Bay's defensive line is a thousand times better than the Chargers with three backups and Bosa. And yet the ball came out quick, it was crisp, it was on the money, it was it's hard for me to think that just because he plays a better defense that the ball isn't gonna have the same zip that it had on Sunday uh, against the Chargers, even though the Chargers' defense is significantly worse than the Bucks, especially on the defensive line. Well, the 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 Bucks are, are a tale of two cities, you know. 
What do you mean? First they're, against they're, the run, They're number one against the, the rush, and they're, they're the best against the run, and they're the worst against the pass. I mean, they are the worst team in the NFL against the pass. So what does that tell you? You know, should you have a chance? Yeah. By that, by the same token, they're the worst in the NFL against the pass. They have the best rusher in the league. So, you know, another, wait, wait a minute, how does that work? Um, although it's not unusual when teams are first in one area to be bad in the other. But, but anyway, um, you know, I think if you're looking at this team, you're looking at something different than what we saw last week totally different team and I think it's a matter of you know do you go out there play smart get what you can get do what we did last week not get greedy not get crazy not you know get antsy and figure I've got to win it on this series by myself or else we're not going to win now that series may come but it's going to be right at the end of the game let's let's just be be really smart before that I think that Tannehill looked really really good the more I see Tannehill, and this may go back to the fact that they kept saying on ESPN, hey, he's the best practice player ever. Maybe I'm buying into the hype. But the more I hear Tannehill talk, the more I watch Tannehill play that one game, the more I think about it, the more I think Tannehill might actually be good. And you all know me. You all know I was a Marcus supporter. Uh, and yet it's hard to watch that game Sunday and not think that Marcus was the root of a lot of these problems. I mean, it's hard to watch those wide receivers and think, man, these guys couldn't even catch the ball when Mariota was here. And they all are catching the ball now. Like, that was hard for me to, to swallow. It's hard for me to look at this line that can't block, lose Kelly and Con- or, uh, lose Conklin and Davis, although Davis sucks. But they lose those two guys, and the line still blocks well. Hard for me not to pin it on Mariota. Very hard. 615-737-1025. Speaking of the wide receivers, the coach, Mike Vrabel, refuses to say something obvious about the receivers, and I'm trying to figure out why, plus what Tannehill has to say about the receivers. And then, did Tannehill prove that A.J. Brown and Corey Davis might be a legit threat? We'll get to that coming up. Jared and the GM, we are live at Drake's and Cool Springs against Smashville Live. Preds Insiders will all be here today. Did you know an estimated 1.2 million people in the United States are living with or are in remission from a blood cancer? Join ESP in the game Nashville for the Light the Night Walk at Nissan Stadium Friday, November 1st. You the difference in saving a life by being a part of the 2019 Light the Night Walk. For more details to be a part of the event or to contribute, visit lightthenight.org slash events slash Nashville. Jared the GM, it's ESPN 1025 The Game. With a new team, first time out, I mean, how much do you think that builds confidence in you from guys in the locker room? I would hope it gives them some confidence, you know. Um, I can't speak for them on, on what they feel, but uh, I know I have a, more confidence now thrown to those guys after seeing them go make contested catches in traffic. You know, Corey, uh, early in the game, AJ throughout the game, just uh, being able to attack the football and go get it. You know, I told them, like, hey, you guys get open. I'm going to throw it to you. You guys attack the football and make plays, and they did that. So uh, I know I have a lot more trust in those guys now that, that I've thrown those passes to them and seen them make the, make the catch. So Tannehill asked about, hey, trust with the receivers. How do you feel about it? I, Tannehill, I got a lot of trust. After Now, it was funny because he said that uh, he said to him before the game, I was going to throw you the ball, and I trust you to make the play. But you've seen trust develop between wide receivers and a quarterback. How important is it for you, Floyd, That or what do you think the possibility of the trust factor after the game against the Chargers is going to be with Tannehill and the receivers? Well, it's certainly going to improve. Got to be better. I don't know what it was to begin with, but 
I mean, they were traveling on really no information. I mean, everybody was hoping, you know, they were hoping that Tannehill would be able to get the ball to them, and Tannehill was hoping they could catch it, you know, a contested ball, and they could run with it and all that kind of stuff. But until you actually get in the game and see it, then, you know, you're, you're wondering. And he probably saw it. I mean, they, he got the ball to him enough, the whole slew of receivers, really, but he got the ball to him enough that they, they know he can do that, and he probably saw them catch, you know, the contested ball or, you know, reach out for the ball, or I forget how Vrabel... Attacks the ball. Is that what he says? Yeah. Attacks the ball. Um, so that, you know, he's saying, hey, you know what? We're gonna, we'll be all right here. Let's continue doing this. So, uh, I mean, I, I think it has to be, it has to increase. Now, you know, where it goes from here, again, we don't know, but... I mean, they have to feel a lot better now than they did going into the last game. Okay, and as GM, that matters to you, right? Like, at GM, you would say, hey, man, I feel good that the trust between the receivers and the quarterback is going to get better after last week. Sure. Okay, well, Vrabel was asked about that today, and Vrabel must have had a stick up his keister today with the way that he was answering these questions. This is what Vrabel said. Obviously, you guys practicing with Ryan on a regular basis out here, but when you have success like Sunday in a game, how, how much does that help? confidence and maybe mentality of receivers who when things work well they maybe expect them to continue to work well well i mean i think the job for the receiver is always the same just get open catch the ball try to explain to them that they can't control when they get it they can only control uh, whether they're open and, and whether they catch it and and sometimes whether that's not easy for them to understand or comprehend but you know there's a lot of factors that go into you know, a guy getting the ball, coverage, you know, how you run the route, pressure. And, and so we just want to keep making sure that these guys identify man or zone coverage, run the route they're supposed to run, and then if the ball's there, catch it. So hopefully we can continue to do that. So he didn't even go into it at all. He was like, you know, hey, the wide receiver's job is to get open and catch it. Well, we tell him to get open and catch it. And go. Why? Why won't Vrabel talk about the obvious, which is, the more success you have with the quarterback, the more that, I, that the relationship can take off. The more the trust factor is there. D. Mace does our morning show. I don't feel like Steve McNair ever trusted a wide receiver as much as he trusted D. Mace. Why? Because D. Mace got results. So when you get results, why won't the coach sit there and say, yeah, it's really important for there to be the trust factor between the quarterback and the receivers? Well, I have no idea. But, I mean, he, he obviously was going to talk about something else. I mean, he was just talking about the, what he wants the receivers to do. And, and I would assume that, you know, that was, that was the most important thing to him. That was the point he was been trying to get across forever, which is you guys go out there, get, what do we say? Get, get open, open and catch, catch the ball. ball. <laughs> Don't worry. It's that simple. I, like, is it Vrabel basically, the ball. is Vrabel saying that because, Vrabel doesn't want to sit there and say, oh, yeah, the trust is there, and it's great, and it's well, he Tannehill's got a sore elbow, and all of a sudden in comes Mariota, and we know that they don't trust that guy. So now it's like, well, all the trust that we were excited about pumping to you now is out the window because Mariota's had to come in the game with seven minutes left to go. Or is it because Vrabel wants to hammer home the message as instead of worrying about trust between the receiver and the quarterback – he wants to hammer the message to the receivers that is basically 
just do what you're supposed to freaking do. Get open, catch the ball. Just That's get to exactly the spot. Exactly right. Get open, <laughs> put your hands up, and catch it. Yeah. Now, did you think that the did you think the success of the receivers this weekend was because a Tannehill was putting the ball on a rope, and I think it's probably easier to catch the fastball from Tannehill than it is that little lofty loopy ball from Mariota. Do you think it was two because the Chargers' defense wasn't as good? Or do you think it was three because A.J. and Corey have proven that they can have isolated games where they play really, really well, and this was one of those isolated games for both guys? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know any of that. I I, I think what we saw was that for the first time in a long, long time, we saw some timing and and uh, an understanding of the patterns. I mean, the guys obviously read whether it was man or zone easier. Now, maybe maybe San Diego was really easy to read. I don't know, but um, they obviously read it. They obviously made good decisions, and Tannehill obviously was able to put the ball on them. So, I mean, I think all of that's good. Now, can they do that against a, a bump and run team press all the time? I don't know. Is you that know, what Tampa Bay is? No, I don't think so. I haven't watched a bunch of Tampa Bay, but I think they're they're backed off a little bit. That's the reason they're last in passing because <laughs> they're they're playing our zone. <laughs> so then that would be good, right? Like that would be. That would be good for Tannehill and the receivers this week. I just want to know if these receivers are any good. And the Titans are going to have to figure that out pretty quickly because Corey Davis has a fifth-year option coming up. And when you were the number five pick in the draft, that fifth-year option is not cheap. So if they're going to – I mean, if Davis is going to be what he was, which is probably a high-end number two in the NFL, definitely not – Corey Davis is not in his his tenure in the NFL performed to the level of a number one wide receiver. But if he's going to be like a high-end two – Maybe you think about picking up the option. If Davis can do what he did last week, every week, then he's a number one receiver, then you definitely pick up the option, and you probably think about trying to extend him with a long-term contract. So there's a lot on the table for these last ten games for Corey Davis, or I guess what, last nine games now uh, for Davis. And I think we got to figure out whether or not these guys are any good. The thing that that, uh, more so than anything about Mariota that I'm willing to believe is that Mariota screwed up with these receivers for whatever reason. Whether Marcus didn't trust them, whether Marcus was unwilling to put the ball where it was supposed to be, whether Marcus doesn't throw a good ball, whether Marcus doesn't have the arm strength, whatever. But it can't be where every week we're wondering why none of these receivers are any good. And then the one week that Marcus gets out, all of a sudden every receiver does exactly what they're supposed to do. Humphreys, four catches, Four big ones, including a couple of first downs. AJ, big plays. Davis, big plays and a touchdown. Even Sharp, even Sharp made a couple of plays this Touchdown. Game. A touchdown for Sharp. So, like, that is where I'm convinced. Now, I don't know if these receivers are any good. And we'll ask Chris Sanders about that coming up here soon. But I am convinced that Mariota made the receivers worse, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what. Isn't that your job to be like to evaluate whose fault things are? And yeah, but you don't look good, at a person. I, I'm not as good as you. I can't look at a guy one time a week and evaluate him. 
I've got to see him all the time to evaluate him. But you've seen all these guys. I've Davis? Seen, I've seen him once a week for 16 weeks a week, a year, yes. You've seen Davis every game of his career. I just said 16 games a year. So he, how many years has he been in the league? Yeah, but don't you draft these guys based off that? Off of 16 games a week? No. Yes. You draft them off of pra- every practice they've ever practiced. You draft them off of games. You draft them off of scrimmage. You draft them off of all-star games. You draft them off of combine. You draft them off of interviews. You draft them off of a zillion things. So you you can watch a, every practice Corey Davis ever practiced in college before you draft Well, them? I don't know about there. I mean, I've. I don't know that I ever drafted anybody. From, where was he from? Central Western Michigan, Michigan, Central Michigan, Western Michigan. Yeah, I don't know which one. Okay, but so you you can watch the practice film of a guy before you draft him. You think the Tennessee Titans watched Jeffrey Simmons practices at Mississippi State before they drafted him? In the oh, Michigan. I have no idea. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I'm sure if they wanted to, I say that. I suspect if they wanted to, they were able to. I highly doubt the NFL teams have time to watch every practice tape of everybody they're going to draft. If you, if you're if you are really interested in a guy that you're going to that's going to be a top 5 pick, I will guarantee you they saw every snap of every bit of tape they could get their hands on. Because it you know what the investment is on a top 5 pick? Now he gets hurt and he falls down the ladder a little bit, now you know, now maybe a different story. You know, when you're talking about a multi, multi-million dollar investment, you are going to be sure you cover all your bases, especially so, if you're the scout. So if you had the number one pick in the draft and you were going to draft Kyler Murray and you're the general manager of the Cardinals, do you think you would have seen over two years every practice Kyler had at Oklahoma? Oh, I don't know about every practice. You would have, you would have seen enough that you were satisfied, whatever that is. You know, if you if if you pull out twenty five practices, and the twenty five practices are like the twenty five games you've just seen, mm-hmm. then you probably pretty well got your answer. Mm-hmm. Now you pull out twenty five practices, and they're just god awful, and the games are kind of inconsistent. And now you're going, wait a minute, now what's what's wrong here? Well, like you love Roger Saffold, you believe in Roger Saffold because you evaluated Roger Saffold out of college when you were with the Patriots. How much Roger Saffold did you watch, which is why you won't let six games, like everybody in Nashville thinks Roger Saffold sucks, but you don't because of how much you invested in Roger Saffold 10 years ago or however many years ago it was you were evaluating him. How much time do you think you put in to Saffold that makes you feel the way you feel compared to the way everybody else? Oh, jeez, I don't know. I can't remember. But, I mean, we, we studied him. And he coming out, he was a tackle, you know. He's and and in the NFL, he's played tackle. He's played, and I I say this without any without any basis, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's played tackle, you know, near as much as he's played guard. So he's he's played all over the board, and uh, and and has played effectively, you know, for a number of years. Just so, not here. Although I thought he had so, a good game last oh, week. He's, I mean, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Because you watched every practice tape. <laughs> what did Chris Sanders think of the receivers with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback? What did he think of Tannehill? What does he think of the Bucks? 
We'll get to that with former Titan receiver Chris Sanders. That's coming up next. Jared and the GM live from Drake's and Cool Springs. Again, Preds Insiders tonight, Smashville Live right here at 7 o'clock, 5.53. Drake's uh, Cool Springs Boulevard right next to Starbucks and Carrabba's. Over 20 TVs for you to watch your favorite team. And on Halloween, kids eat free. That's right. Drake's out here in Cool Springs. We got our Halloween bucket up for people to come on by, grab some candy. So come on by and see us against Smashville Live, 7 o'clock. Jaren, the GM at CSP at 1025 The Game. Jaren, the GM, Ryan Tannehill talking about how he feels as if he's got more trust with the wide receivers. Great games across the board from every wide receiver, including Sharp and Humphreys who combined had six catches and a touchdown. So with that, we turn it to our wide receiver extraordinaire, former Titan great Chris Sanders. Chris, tell me, help me right here. (laughs) What difference did you see in the pass catchers with Tannehill at quarterback than we had seen with Marcus? Man, number one, with the receivers, I mean, there was a sense of urgency to to get open. I mean, if you look at some of the balls that Tannehill threw to the receivers, he was throwing the ball before the guys got out of the break. And if you look at the, the one that Corey Davis, the dig route that, he, uh, that Davis caught, the ball was thrown before he even got out of his cut. So it just shows you if those guys get separation and those guys have a sense of urgency of running routes, man, I'm telling you, man, this, this offense can go from being okay to doing something good. What did you think of Tannehill in general? And what did you think of the quarterback change and how yeah. it affected the Titans? And how do you feel about Tannehill overall? You know, I, I thought he did pretty good. And the one thing I love about him is he took command of the field. And when I say he took command of the field is he let all the plays develop. I mean, if you look at the touchdown that he threw to Sharp, Sharp wasn't even – he was probably the third read. So it just shows you that he's going through his progression, he's looking at his checkdowns, and he's letting the play develop. And when you see a quarterback do that and he's taking command of the whole field and throwing the ball where it's supposed to be, I'm telling you, man, he did a great job. But let me pump my brakes a little bit. I mean, we still we still got to improve on some things. I mean, you know, there's one, a couple of times that he held the ball, ball a little long. But overall, man, I thought he played spectacular. In, in your mind, Chris, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, where were they this first week and where can they end up? between I'm talking about the quarterbacks and receivers you know you know Floyd, that's a great question I think that they're about an eight and a half and a nine I mean there's still things that they can mm. improve on they're sticking still there's some there's still some things that they need to know about each other and once they understand and know each other and uh, I think they can be all right just listening to Tannen Hill's interview he said some key words that you know that just made me really think he said we got to build we got to keep building and we hear those those terms like, what does that mean? What does it mean to keep building? That means we got to keep knowing each other. Guys got to be in the right spot. Guys got to make sure that they're running the right route. So if they keep doing that and keep building, like what Tanning Hill is saying, whew, watch out. Let's do this thing. If you're one of these receivers, mm-hmm. aren't you starved for what you what you perceive as maybe you yeah. know he's going to put the ball on me. He's going to give me a chance to run yeah. with it. He's gonna. And don't you, I mean, isn't that a little bit of a, of a impetus to maybe do a little bit more? I, I don't think it's really doing a little bit more. It's just making sure I'm in the right spot. You know, when, when Steve McNair yeah. got hurt and, and Neil O'Donnell came in, I knew Neil O'Donnell was going to throw the ball 
even before I was out of my break because we were familiar with each other in practice. I remember in the scrimmage we were going against the, the Rams, and I ran a post, and he knew that the defensive back was in front of me. So what he do is he threw a back shoulder because we're familiar with each other. So if Tanning Hill and Davis and Humphreys and Brown and, and, and uh, John New, all those guys will start get familiar and keep building, I'm telling you, man, they can, they can do some good things. I'm not crowning them yet because we still got to see what they can do against Tampa Bay and against the Panthers. But if they continue to build and continue to get better and, and continue to understand each other, then that can keep building and do something great. Who was the DB that was in front of you? It was Ty Bly. Uh, Bly Drew, was it Bly? Was it? Uh, I forgot his name. He was a little, a uh, little short corner. I can't remember his name, but it was Drew, could Drew run Bly. like the wind. Dre oh, Bly, was, maybe Dre. Dre, Dre Bly. There Dre you go. Dre Bly. Yeah, he was in front of me, and I mean, it, he wasn't really in front of me. He just played twenty yards off because he knew I run by him. <laughs> <laughs> but I ran a post, and the good thing about it is, is Neil O'Donnell saw that, but it was man-to-man coverage. It was cover zero, and he was taking away the inside. I ran the post, but. The veteran player that Neil O'Donnell was, he threw a back shoulder. So here we got Tannenhill. Look at what Tannenhill did when uh, Davis ran a, a dig route. He knew that the DB was trailing him. So instead of putting the ball behind him, he threw the ball in front of him even before Davis even got out, uh, got out of his break. That just shows you the veteran quarterback that he is. Chris, what do you think the possibility for this football team with the defense playing as well as they yeah. have been? What do you think the possibility for this team is with Tannehill at quarterback? Man, I, I think I think they could do something special. I mean, you know, I was listening to Floyd and you guys last week, and and everything we kept stressing is if the offense just scores some points. I mean, if the, the defense has been play, playing well, you got you know Simmons coming back that's controlling the line of scrimmage. You got Casey and all those guys on defense. And all we kept saying was, if the offense just scores points. Now we saw that the Tennessee Titans scored some points. Now it doesn't put pressure on the defense. They can just sit back and relax and watch the offense go, on, go out there and uh, get the job done. Do you – I mean, you, uh, when you look at this team in mm-hmm. total, and we, we talked about this on the show on Sunday, mm-hmm. if we could score 20 points, <laughs> we'd be 7-0. and yeah. And what, we go out and score 23 and, you know, you know win a game. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, just looking at stuff like that, yeah. if you're one of these receivers, I mean, don't you have a yeah. little bounce in your step? Oh, you do, because it's, it's, a, it's a chance for us to know that we, we still have a chance to get better. We haven't arrived yet. We played one game against the Chargers secondary that, in my opinion, was was okay. But this is a positive as a receiver to know that, man, if we put this thing together and 11 guys do their job, just imagine how better we can be. I mean, look at, look at, look at how many people were involved. I mean, it wasn't just a couple of receivers catching the ball. You had Sharp. When was the last time Sharp cut a touchdown? And even that, when was the last time he even caught a pass? He's involved. You got Humphreys involved. You got Davis involved. You got John Newitt who's involved. And then you got, you got uh, Henry coming out the backfield catching the ball. So it just shows you, man, if, the, if 11 guys do their job, 11 guys execute, you never know what might happen. What What do you know about Tampa? Uh, I know I know they got a good front. I know they got Donovan Sue. I know they're going to try to put pressure on Tannehill and try to have him make mistakes. But I think the one positive thing that we're going to have, because we know that Humphreys used to play with them, he's probably going to give an insight on what their uh, defensive backs do. So I think that for the receivers, I think the receivers are going to have a huge day because I think that Humphreys is going to help those guys show them how to beat those defensive backs. Huh. Chris, we know that with the Titans, one of the big problems has been – you win one, <laughs> yeah. and then you take a step back. You win. Uh-huh. How yeah. is can is, can I make the argument that for the season this could be like one of the most important games for the Titans to start to build a role on? Yeah, it is. I mean, I, and we, it's funny because we say this every week. I'm gonna come and give a funny illustration. I went to uh, Dollywood this week, 
and I got on one ride, and it yeah, was how, fun. How did you enjoy the rides? Though? I, I did. I got. I enjoyed it, and I had fun. But then I went another ride and got sick, and then my day was done. And I don't want the Tennessee Titans to do that to where I'm on a ride and everybody's excited and it's fun. Then all of a sudden, the next game, I'm sick. We, I mean, we, just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We, we just, we don't want to do that because if you look at the last couple of weeks, we played this great game against Cleveland and everybody's excited and looking at the offense and then looking at the defense and all of a sudden we come and we, we lose to the Bills. I mean, then all of a sudden we're on this, we're on this big time high. But then after the game that we're supposed to win, we're sick. We don't need to have that sick feeling after a great win. Just like what Tanning Hill said earlier in, the, in this interview, let's build on what we did on offense, let's build on what we did, and let's build on, uh, on the special teams, and let's go try to get a playoff run. Titan wide receiver Chris <laughs> Sanders. By the way, D. Mace going to be one of the 12th the 12 Titan along with Come Chris, on, D. Uh, Chris Johnson. What, what do you think about that? D. Mace? Yeah. Oh, we're gonna have, and Chris Johnson, we're going to have two short guys out there. <laughs> Get a tall guy out there, dang uh, it. Great. <laughs> uh, Chris Sanders, former Titan Appreciate receiver. You guys. Chris, we'll see you. Thanks, man. Chris. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Former Titan Chris Chris Sanders. He did not miss his opportunity. There. That's and that's about that's about as ugly as Chris could ever get. <laughs> Two short guys. Okay. So uh, uh, to me, I think Chris feels really good about the addition of Ryan Tannehill. I mean I Tannehill, even if it's for a week, you know that feeling around Christmas time where everybody's just, you know, a little excited, just a little bit because Christmas music is playing and for some reason everybody's happier and it's just a great day. That's what it feels like right now with what Ryan Tannehill did on Sunday against the Chargers. May not matter at all, but it just feels like everybody's got a little more pump because of what Tannehill did against the Chargers on Sunday. Speaking of pump, how about the Predators last night? All over the Ducks. Yeah. What do we make of that? We'll get to that next. Jared and the GM live from Drake's and Cool Springs against Smashville Live here at 7 o'clock. Rocco Grimaldi, Dante Fabro will be hanging out here. Unfortunately for you all, if you come for Smashville Live, you won't get into the candy bucket, which we have out here to celebrate Halloween, which is a holiday deep down inside I think I kind of hate. Jared and the GM at ESPN 1025. The game.